In today's Behavior Bite, we discuss failure and knowing that when something doesn't work out, you have to change it instead of being proud or trying to push through. To be a better BCBA, you have to realize that when you make a mistake, learn from it, grow, and do better, which reminds me of a story. So I was about 18 years old, and my parents had bought me an ice cream maker for Christmas. And I was very excited because ice cream was one of my favorite foods. And the idea of being able to have ice cream on demand just blew my mind. So uh, the first recipe that I wanted to try was in the book that came, the little recipe book that came with the ice cream maker. And it was of mint chocolate chip, which is my favorite ice cream. For all you out there that's saying that it's frozen toothpaste, um, go away. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this mint chocolate chip ice cream. I'm following the recipe. You have to like heat up the sugar and cream to melt the sugar. And it uses egg yolks, which kind of turns it into like a custard. Um, So very silky, smooth, peppermint, uh, mint chocolate chip ice cream. Very excited. And I put it all into the little machine that churns it. I let it go. And I come back about four or five hours later. It's ready. Very excited to try it and have everyone try it. Mind you, it makes, you know, like five gallons of ice cream. I don't know why you need that much, but there was a lot of it. And I get everyone a bowl and I dish out a couple scoops to everybody and we're eating it. And there's something off, like something kind of rubbery to it. And I'm like, what did I put in here? I'm so confused. And my grandmother, who had has no filter, said, uh, that's egg. You didn't temper the eggs. I didn't even know what tempering was, if you don't know, which is fine, uh, is when you take the egg yolks and you add a little bit of the hot liquid in at a time so the eggs come up to temperature instead of dumping four egg yolks into a hot uh, pan which is what I did uh, which just caused scramble eggs so uh, it was mint chocolate chip with scrambled eggs ice cream five gallons Welcome to Behavior Bites with Rosie Eats, where we share a virtual meal with behavior analysts, psychologists, educators, and other helping professionals. Building a community can be hard when you're always pouring into others. So pull up a chair, grab your favorite food, and let's dig in. Hello, hello. I am your host, Rosie, and I am so excited to introduce today's guest. They are a creator of multiple CE events. To just name a few, there's a practical guide to ACT, ACT for Perfectionism, Values-Based Business Management, uh, an entire ACT programming workshop, which I highly recommend. They are the founder and lead BCBA at ABA Across Environments, and most importantly, a great friend, Meg Solomon. Hello. Thanks for having me. This is very exciting. Yeah, yeah. So since this is Behavior Bites, a lot of the segments are food-based. So I thought we would start with an amouche-bouche, which means a chef's whim. And I am 
the chef. Um, so for today's amuse bouche, which is fun to say, um, I feel like most days when we talk, you are always mentioning something that you are diffusing from. Um, so what are you currently diffusing from? Ooh, yeah. So today I woke up this morning and I usually pre-prepare my content for across environments, but I have a personal account too that, you know, just share pictures and things like that. And so I definitely had to practice some diffusion whenever I noticed that Instagram was deleting everybody's accounts. Um, but I didn't realize that at the time. And so it was one of those things where, well, it was easier for me to find some sort of separation from it because it wasn't my work account, <laughs> but I do have all of those posts saved. So at least it wouldn't be horrible. But, um, as far as my personal account is concerned, I was like, well, maybe this is actually for the best. And so I think that's how I was able to just kind of practice a mild diffusion today. But um, in all honesty, most days I end up having to practice some sort of psychological flexibility simply because, well, I think that's just kind of a, a lifestyle in all honesty. And it's just um, kind of what we're able to do so that we can fully function in society. Otherwise, I think that I would just be almost paralyzed if I didn't practice diffusion on a pretty regular basis. But um, I would say scheduling is one of the biggest challenges. And running a company is not easy. There's a lot of imposter syndrome. So I definitely struggle with that in all aspects. Um, so I find myself practice, practicing diffusion quite a bit with that. Minute by minute basis, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for our listeners, since this will probably come out in a couple of weeks, today is Halloween. Um, and if you weren't one of the half of Instagram users that had the spooky morning of their Instagram being shut down, um, there was a, a glitch or something where half, half of everyone's accounts was, were shut down unexpectedly locked out of, um, some are getting it back. Like Meg got hers back. Um, and I know some people that are having to wait a full 24 hours until theirs gets back. So yeah. It's a good time to practice some diffusion skills and some <laughs> acceptance. I, it didn't happen to me, I, but I could only imagine all of the diffusion and unhooking from that kind of stress. But Yeah, but it also kind of goes to show to you, and this was how I was able to unhook from it in all honesty, was just, well, this isn't really something that I value. This is just like fluff. Social media mm. to me is um, especially like that, like where I'm not really like trying to disseminate anything. It's just pictures of my adorable children. Um, so I was like, well, that's fine. <laughs> this is really just kind of, it's like, I'm not really that hooked to mm. posting these things on Instagram or anything like that. I can text these people. <laughs> true. True. That's very true. So for our appetizer, there's going to be two appetizers, but first off, um, I know that you didn't start in behavior analysis. Um, so I was wondering if you could kind of take us through what you did before becoming a BCBA and a business owner. Yeah, I did a lot. 
Um, and I encourage people to do this in their 20s because I think that there is some sort of like society norm that everything has to be figured out by the time that you're 25. And if you haven't, then you're doing something wrong. I kind of look at it as the opposite. If you think that you've gotten everything figured out by the time you're 25, you're pretty wrong. And from a neurological perspective, it makes a lot of sense, right? Our prefrontal cortexes aren't even fully, fully formed yet. So um, when I, I was, it was late in my junior year in college. So I was a vocal performance major in college, mm-hmm. um, classically trained um, en route to start applying to different grad schools so that I could essentially sync within a lyric or a grand opera house, right? That was my, that was my hope. That was my dream. That was my aspiration. And, um, I started getting hoarse a lot and we, I, and so I was like, oh, well that's, that stinks. And so, um, I went to a speech pathologist and they said, well, you have vocal nodules. Mm. There isn't surgery that you can do for it. Um, otherwise it's actually probably will make it probably worse. Um, so you can go on vocal rest and just not talk and like, here are all the foods that you need to avoid. And here's everything that you can't do. And I was like, well, that's not going to work for me. What kind of food? Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. What kind of foods did they say you couldn't eat? Um, like marinara sauce, like anything that was red, mm-hmm. definitely no alcohol, um, and I was in college, so that wasn't really good. Um, those were the two big ones that I remember the most. And I was like, oh, and like anything that was fried. And I was like, okay, well, I live in Texas. Literally all I eat is salsa, um, fried chicken, queso, and margaritas. <laughs> and some red wine with spaghetti or pizza. So this Mm -hmm. is kind of limiting. Um, And at that point, I think I realized like, I really hadn't done like a values assessment, right? But like when you're 20 years old, that's not what you're thinking about. Mm -hmm. But I do remember my dad like sitting me down and saying like, what are you going to do? Like, you need to write down a list of everything that you would do in your life if you didn't get paid to do it. And so I, I, like, that was like my first, values assessment. I just Mm -hmm. didn't realize it. Right. Um, so thanks dad. Um, but I think I also realized that I was really good at singing, but I didn't necessarily value it. Mm -hmm. For example, I absolutely loathe singing in a choir. I hate it. I love to sing, but I don't like singing in a choir. And so like, then I was like, well, I've got to pivot, but I needed to get out of college. So I, um, my senior year was, I went to a liberal arts school. And so you have to take so many different electives anyway. Mm -hmm. So my senior year was pretty much just like taking electives. Um, so a lot of those electives were in education and special education. Um, like I remember one of them was school society and diversity. And another one was, um, exceptionalities and the exceptionalities course was just like, oh, that's really cool. Yes. This all makes a lot of sense. We are all very different and individualized learners, right? And that was like my first like glimpse into what it would be like to make some sort of like individualized education plan. Mm. Um, But then this is also right when my grandfather was 
dying, um, which I mean, like was not unexpected, but it was mm. still like one of those things. Like I was like, okay, well I need to spend some time with him. When I was like one of the last times that we were together, I told him that I wanted to be a teacher and he was like, no, you don't. <laughs> you do not want to be a teacher. You don't want to work with all of those kids. Thanks, Gramps. And um, he was like, you should go into sales. Sales is what you know. Sales is in your blood. It's what you do. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I uh, moved to Dallas and I started working for... Um, like uh, I worked for some high-end retail companies. So like um, there's this boutique um, couture store called Stanley Korshak mm -hmm. in Dallas, Texas. It's beautiful, by the way. It's absolutely gorgeous. They have fantastic clothing. And so that was what I did. I worked there and I was the assistant to um, their number one salesperson. Hmm. And for me, the biggest comparison or the greatest comparison that I can think of would be um, the Devil Wears Prada. Mm. <laughs> so just like constantly having to be like in front mm -hmm. of the anticipations of everyone. Um, so it taught me how to be really well organized. I then have since abandoned all of those organizational skills because I think now <laughs> I've been traumatized by it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then I was like, well, okay, so maybe I don't want to do retail. <laughs> so then I went into commercial real estate and it's not what you think it would be. Mm -hmm. Like you were on the phone all the time calling people, cold calling. So that helped me a lot with just like my fear of talking to people. I didn't have a ton of fear of talking to people in all honesty, but like it did help me like, we have a society of like being non-confrontational, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that taught me how to just say, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like literally the worst anybody can say is no. Right. Okay. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure um, they could say worse. <laughs> no. Oh, totally. But that's like, that's the gist of it. Right, 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 right. Um, I mean, they could totally say worse and they can say, they can do physically other things too. If like you're in person with them. Right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, if that, if the underlying message is no, if then the underlying message is no, like, all right, cool. Well, moving on. Thanks for placing my behavior on extinction. I will not be contacting you again. Um, so then I was like, well, I, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> this is awful. Like, what am I doing with my life? Um, I then moved to Los Angeles with the guy that I was dating at the time, which is a whole other slew of a storyline in itself. Um, and so I went back to retail because I was like, well, I'm in LA, I've got to work, um, which is like the world's most horrendously polarizing city in the entire universe. Mm -hmm. Everybody likes to talk about like how culturally diverse it is. It is except that everybody stays in their neighborhoods mm. and that's how it stays. Um, if you like move around in the neighborhood, that's good for you. Um, but I, I did. So I started in Venice beach and then we lived in Hollywood 
then downtown. Um, then I lived in Silver Lake for a while and Los Feliz in East Hollywood. There's a song, El Cerrito Place. That's, we lived on El Cerrito Place. It's like a two block street. So it's, I'm like, <gasps> okay, anyway. But um, after I worked in retail, I was, I was working at Kate Spade and I wasn't really enjoying that very much because again, like this isn't in line with my values. I was far away from my family. Like it just, I wasn't helping anybody. Um, so I, there was an ad out for this brand new restaurant that was opening up in downtown. And I was like, well, that looks cool. So I applied and I ended up getting a job in their market area, which was like the bakery. And, um, at that time they also did like, um, like takeaway foods. Like you can like, mm-hmm. like pick up like a meatloaf for a chicken salad to go. Um, and so that's where I started working and it kind of changed my life because they met so many of my friends then. And I also then learned how much I really do love food. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, well, food is actually really delicious and um, it's pretty fun to make. Um, and so that was, that was one of the most rewarding experiences. Cause then I was able to work at some other restaurants too, with some pretty world renowned chefs now, um, you know, and be my husband, little side things like that. A little side thing of meaning, meaning my husband. Right. But I remember one morning I woke up and I was like, I absolutely have to, like, I've made a ton of money. I've spent mm-hmm. all of the money that I have made because I'm 26 years old right. in Los Angeles having the time of my life where I'm making three to $500 a night. What else do I need? <laughs> um, I wasn't helping anybody though. Mm, mm-hmm. And that I realized was one of my biggest values. So like, I was back in contact, like with like really close contact with my family. So that value was still very, was still there. Um, but then there was still something missing And I realized that's what it was, was I just, I love to help people. And if I'm not helping somebody, then I just kind of think, well, what's the point? Mm -hmm. If it's not making something better for somebody else, much less myself, like what's then the point? Mm -hmm. Um, And a friend of mine who was working at a restaurant, at one of the restaurants with me, was talking to me about this school um, called the Help Group. And it was mostly for kids with autism, but then they also had like this early learning program for kids with like emotional behavioral disorders. Um, and oh my gosh, I started volunteering and then it clicked that list that my dad made me make. Cause I was like, Oh, well, here I am working without getting paid, loving it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I started working for a company that it's called OTB outside the box education. It's really cool, but it's for like early childhood development. Um, but it really focuses on like the polyvagal polyvagal theory and like really incorporating like all aspects of sensory development. Um, And I remember I called my mom like after leaving training and I was like, I really love this. Working with kids and helping people is what I like, this is it. And that's how you kind of like jumped over. Yeah. And then it just easily like transferred over to working in ABA. and it was like immediately rewarding. It was one of those things of like seeing like a decade of my life go by and being like, not going to say that it was for not, because now it's also one of those things too. Like when my staff 
will say things to me like, why are you lying to me right now? Why do you think that I haven't tried this already? Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think uh, just to take a little side, like I also didn't start in ABA and I, I, and I feel that of like having, uh, a decade or having a, a point in your life of being like, what am I doing? You know, and then jumping over to ABA um, and being like, oh yeah, like I, I worked in restaurants or I did this and that. Mm-hmm. But then you realize that all of the extra skills that you learned that you would never learn just going, you know, straight through school into a BCBA role yeah. or even RBT to a BCBA role of time management and scheduling and social or soft skills. The soft skills that you get from outside of ABA are crazy. You don't get them in ABA. We are such a black and white community that like some, and like, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Nobody else outside of this world thinks like that. It's really interesting to me. It, It is very interesting. And yeah, the amount of times that I, um, like to help others, you know, diffuse from like, well, you know, like being an RBT is a great paying job. Like, why are they calling out? And it's like, because there are bigger things in the world than just money. Like money is very important. But if you are 20 something, sometimes hanging out with your friends, going to concerts or being hungover or, you know, like, there's no right or wrong. It's just what people choose to do. It's just the situation, right? It's just the choice. Well, and I had one of my first bosses in commercial real estate, actually. So I was working at um, this really cool building in Dallas. He was um, the general manager. Um, and he gave me some of the best information ever, like the best feedback and the best advice, which was your PTO is there for your mental health days. Mm. You need to be scheduling mental health days and always use all of your PTO. Yes. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I wish when I was in other careers that people told me that. Cause I, I mean, when I was a manager at Duncan's, there was a, like, you never, you never call out, you never mm-hmm. not work. I was working six days a week and I would go in with everything. I mean, I got poison oak in the middle of the summer and I was wearing long pants, a long sweatshirt, bandages around my arms. Like I'm at work, you know, I'm We're- here. What prize did I win? Yes. Yes. What prize did I win to be here? Overtime. <laughs> yeah. Not even cause I was right. salary. So oh. it didn't matter. Oh yes. Those, those are the days. So I guess, I guess I did learn that no one's going to look out for you more than you're going to look out for yourself to use all your, use your sick time, use your PTO. Nobody's going to tell you to take that time off. I mean, I, if if you're my employee, I'm going to tell you to take time off. (laughs) Right. Right. All right. So you did all that. And then a friend kind of got you into um, ABA. So take us through that up to, up to now owning a business. I mean, that's a big jump. Yeah. But I do think that a lot of it came from kind of what we were just talking about. Um, so when we talk about like running the business, I'm going to kind of work backwards a little bit. Mm -hmm. We like, I talked to my husband about it 
I was like, it was this time five years ago. And I said, okay, I really want to start a new, I want to start an ABA company. Here's what I want to do. I want to focus on community-based skills and really in home so that we can really get in the environment where the parents need it the most. Um, but what I want to do as far as hiring people is I really want to run it the way it was for us at restaurants mm-hmm. when we could schedule and have a flexible schedule. So like if I only wanted to work three days one week, I told my manager, Hey, next week, I only want to work three days. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then if I wanted to work six the next week, I would let my manager know, Hey, next week, I want to work six days. Right. Um, there was never a penalty for being sick or calling out. Like it just, you just didn't get paid. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, actually that job was always there of being, of it being taken away for missing work was never on the table. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the things that like, and I see this all the time still with ABA agencies. And I told my husband, I was like, I don't, I don't want that. I want it to be where people feel supported that their job is still waiting for them. If their child is sick and then two days later, they're sick. Mm-hmm. And I right. want them to have the flexibility to take that PTO or not, and still have the job that they want. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the why as to like, really like the foundation as to like why we wanted to start this. Number one was one of the biggest things that I felt horrible about in like working for big agencies with when we had to discharge clients and it was because they graduated quote unquote, right. That it, the parents would still say, but all of this is still happening at home. Mm-hmm. What else can we be doing? Because this isn't working. And I'm like, well, he's mastered these assessments. And my clinical director told me that I can't keep you anymore because we need the space, which is essentially what it was. Um, And so I just wanted to make sure that that wasn't happening and that we were also then providing the flexibility for staff. Uh, Working... I worked working for different ABA agencies too has helped me a lot because I started working in ABA in LA Mm -hmm. and I worked at a really big company and it was in home and community-based. We did a lot of school shadowing and it was phenomenal. I love working in the schools in that capacity. Um, You could see so much difference with generalization. It helped a ton with the peers and being able to get them involved. Um, The classroom itself felt more supported just because there was the teacher, there was the paraprofessional or the student teacher, mm-hmm. and then there was me. And although I wasn't there to support the class, I was there to support somebody who needed additional support. So I wasn't then pulling away from the two people who could support the class. Mm. That's one of my number one arguments for being a school shadow. I loved it. It was also in the Pacific, Pal- Pacific Palisade. So I mean, <laughs> didn't that didn't hurt Hmm. the only thing that did hurt was traffic um like to the point where I should have learned diffusion much earlier on in my life (laughs) in traffic no I probably wouldn't have had so many road rage incidences in Los Angeles being on the 10 or the 101 Um, I'm laughing like I know but I have no idea oh it's awful it's absolutely insanity so 
I very quickly learned like, okay, well, the next step is to become a BCBA. And the only way to do that is to get a master's. Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked into different master's programs and I knew that I didn't want to do an online program. I know how I learn and I just am not very good at managing that type of capacity, like to that type of mm-hmm. capacity. I want hands-on. I like discussion, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, of course, my my parents were like, Baylor has a program. Baylor's 30 minutes away from the town where I grew up. <laughs> so they were all on board with that one, except for my husband, who literally not six months before I got accepted to Baylor said, I never want to live in Waco, Texas. Oops. Welcome. Here we are at the height of Chip and Joe. Mm. Um. And so that's where we were. We were in Waco for 2013 and 2014 and 15. Oh no, sorry. 2014 and 2015, my bad. Um, and it was, it was fun. I, it was nice to be close to family. Mm-hmm. And I had some really great experience at Baylor. It, it, my education that I received there was really, really awesome. because we had so much discussion and it was in the school of psychology too, or the school of educational psychology. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what what kind of like coursework did you have? Um, I went to fit. So the opposite of, I was online, um, and like totally ABA immersed. Yes. But I mean, I can never give enough props to fit. I am still, uh, very passionate about it and I'm a couple years removed from it but um a lot of the co-instructors I think they called them um didn't like didn't work in autism so a lot of they taught us what they need to teach us and use you know some of the frame of like ABA and autism but then always put their spin of like well I don't work in autism. I do OBM or I do um, like CE like content type of thing. So I feel like it was well-rounded. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 the argument against it is usually that discussion piece and, and the time management piece. And it's definitely one that like I had to take control of it myself. And mm-hmm. I was on the discussion board, probably way too much, probably annoyed the other like 500 students or whatever that are enrolled in each course, probably more. I don't even know because I would just reply to everything because if, if I could answer their question, like a professor would, then I knew that I understood it. And so yeah. I would answer it and then wait for one of the instructors to like validate the answer, answer slash validate yeah. me. I'm like, yes, Rose, you're you're correct. I'm like, yes, you are competent. Yeah. Um, and then the time management was just, I mean, I had everything down to the down to the minute almost scheduled every day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That would have been hard for me, I think. It was nice that it was almost like pre-scheduled for me. Mm. Like here are your time, here are your class times here are your, here's your schedule for your practicum. And there you go. But it was, it was <laughs> nice. So I will say my fieldwork experience gave me, um, 
a different breadth for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I worked with a wide variety of different clients. Um, but it was, it also made me really passionate about reducing restraints mm-hmm. because it was something that I saw frequently happening in the center where I was working and it, I didn't care for it. Uh, mostly because ABA 101 tells us if the behavior is not reducing, we should probably change something. Mm-hmm. So if these restraints were happening daily, there was probably something that we were not addressing. They're probably not working. (laughs) And um, so that was one of my biggest things too. And so whenever I did graduate, I was like 14 months pregnant. No, I was seven (laughs) months pregnant. And then I sat for the exam and then I had my son. And then when I started applying for jobs, I let my husband help me decide <laughs> because I was like, I dragged you to Waco. Um, where should we go? And it was between like Fort Worth, Texas and Colorado Springs. So we ended up here and it was great. I loved the center where I worked with. I worked with some really great people. And um, as all good things happened though, the center got bought and things started changing. It's back to the way it used to be though from like the word on the street in the ABA world. But um, I mean, it was hard for me whenever it got bought because I was like, nope, nope. Like everything that I did want to happen as far as like mm-hmm. what employee, how employees should be treated. I was like, please stop firing all of our best employees. Pretty sure we had this, we had this exact conversation at a conference. So that's a whole nother, that's a whole it's different a whole other one. Um, but yeah, but then it took me back to like, I was discharging people and I, I could see that there were still things that needed to be worked on, but per the assessments and per the time that like the space would allow, like, yeah. Um, and so that's when we, I wanted to make the shift, but then shortly after starting, I started with one client and we just slowly built that way organically. Mm-hmm. But I also started noticing like whenever my own behaviors and like my own emotions would get me hooked with that compliance or mm-hmm. follow through. Right. And I would leave sessions just feeling horrible. Mm-hmm. And like Jonathan Tarbox did a, a talk on act and self-care like a few years ago at Weba. And it was like when it was all online. And I remember listening to it and just be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I, this is why this client isn't making progress anymore. It's, it's mm-hmm. not that client. It's me. It's right. my reaction to this client. And then mm-hmm. of course, like I started doing research about ascent and ascent withdrawal. And, mm. um, it's funny how ascent and ascent withdrawal, I think really do kind of correlate with act because it's like, somebody was like, well, how do we define acceptance? And I was like, ascent. Are they doing what they need to be doing? Are they mm-hmm. doing the task? And they're accepting it, right? right? Yeah. So that's how we that's how we are here. Nice, nice. All right, we need a little palate cleanser. Uh, so for today's palate cleanser, I would like to know what's your favorite meal. Oh, I love fried chicken with cream gravy. Mm. It's one of my all-time favorite comfort foods. Always. 
Yeah. I also really love sour cream enchiladas. Ooh, that's a good one. And if you if you're familiar with um any place like a good Tex-Mex place in Texas, like there's um Bob Armstrong dip, which mm. is queso, but with guacamole and like your taco meat and your mm-hmm. sour cream and your salsa or pico, and you mix it all together and it's mm-hmm. like a like a seven layer dip type of without the beans. Okay. No beans. No beans. And no lettuce. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I I dislike the majority of lettuce, like how I like lettuce in a salad. I don't really like salad that often, but everything else I'm like, hold the lettuce, like eat sandwiches. Interesting. So I am good with a dip. What's your favorite food? Ooh, it changes, mm-hmm. <laughs> changes daily. Um, I get very excited for all the fall um, foods and stuff. I just went to Trader Joe's yesterday and got a maple streusel bread. Ooh, that sounds good. So I haven't had it yet, but I'm very excited to like heat that up with some butter. Um, I like, I like all foods. There's not many, the funny, the fun, fun fact, funny fact, kind of both. Uh, I used to be very, very picky, very picky. Oh, same. That's why I don't worry about picky food yeah. or picky. Yeah. It's very selective, right? Selective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just uh, talking about it with my sister because we, I just saw her a couple days ago um, and it really came down to, um, we didn't, we were fed, we weren't fed the best. Uh, it was very minimal, very, like very, two working parents with multiple jobs. And so dinner was usually around 7 p.m. Um, and it was parents are very tired let's just throw something in the oven and it's out and very like cheap cheap food um so it was usually like a very burnt piece of meat and a canned or a frozen vegetable and so I just thought I didn't really like most foods and right you just had never had well-prepared food yeah 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 so I started teaching myself how to cook um in high school ish, you know, started looking at recipe books and oh that's still one of my favorite things to read are recipes. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then, you know, and then went off to college and started like trying food around Boston and stuff. And I was like, oh, food is good. <laughs> yeah. I like food. Um and here we are now. And then once I met my husband, it was like all bets were off because he has a very large uh repertoire of foods that he eats um he's his mom is korean and she had a korean restaurant so he was used to like ah you eat everything like you eat you eat everything Um, very yes like spicy kimchi Mm -hmm. all that stuff and uh, i was like well awful is an o-f-a-l sorry oh yeah no i got it i got it okay cool (laughs) for for the listeners um uh yeah and then slowly I just started eating more and more stuff that that he prepared and I was like well if I want to marry this guy I guess I have to start figuring out how to way to like it (laughs) that's awesome yeah I love food it just it makes me happy I feel disconnected whenever I haven't cooked 
the unconditioned reinforcer, right? Our number one unconditioned. Right, totally. Well, I worked at a bakery for another one of my odd jobs in Los Angeles in Redondo Beach, was working at a bakery. And um, I, I loved that. That was phenomenal. Um, but I also, I thought that I would like want to eat all of it all the time. No, you satiate really quickly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So on to our entrees. So in your own words, if you can really summarize it down, what does the phrase value-based and person-centered care mean to you? Well, you can't have one without the other. So for me, person-centered care pretty much starts it. And if you're taking into consideration the whole being, then you're taking into consideration what their values are. And that means that it is child-led. And the reason it's child-led is because you are leading with what that child values, whether or not it's something that you value or not. That doesn't mean that there aren't skills that can't be addressed within that person's centrifugal being, right? That centrifugal force that brings everything together. It's really, that's kind of like your job to say, these are the things that you really love here are the barriers that are in your life right now that are preventing you to get to this thing that you love, whether you're not, whether or not you're a three-year-old autistic boy or a 17-year-old girl who just doesn't know what she wants to do because she's a junior in high school and that's where you are at that time. There, you value something. It just might not be what those adults in your life or in their life necessarily value. Um, so I think taking into consideration what that person is before you try to figure out what the programming is going to be mm-hmm. is to me what person-centered and values-based care is. Perfect. Love it. All right. So another entree, uh, a pretty heavy one. Uh, when was a time that you failed? Every day. I literally fail daily. I lost track of how often I have failed. I lost track. I stopped keeping track of when I failed tests. You can ask my parents. Um, I was still a fine student, but I also recognized probably by about middle school that it doesn't matter if you fail a test every now and then you're still going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause your teachers don't want you to fail in life. And if they do, they're really shitty. Um, but like every single teacher that I ever had who actually knew that it wasn't about failing for me, that it was just like, Hey, I feel like maybe you didn't actually try Mm -hmm. or is it possible that you misunderstood this? Or I also had really bad test anxiety that it took me a long time to get over. I would say it wasn't until college that I recognized like how to like manage that, which I have no idea how I learned how to manage it by the way. Um, but in high school, I did it scared. that's what it was. Yeah. I took the Elise Myers approach because like in high school, like my brain would literally be yelling at me while I would be trying to take a math test. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, just get used to failure. (laughs) Diffuse from the thought of succeeding. Um, But I also learned too, like, it doesn't matter if you fail. What really sucks though, is if you fail and then try to say that you didn't. 
yeah like owning owning your mistakes and like how you can grow from them yeah I almost look at sometimes like whenever I write a program and it didn't work I'm like well that was a failure oh mm-hmm. well yeah moving on moving right along and if you struggle with that kind of acceptance and like that's yeah. when like it's almost like you stick your feet in the mud more and mm. like you're like no well you're just not implementing this program right right you no know, the program sucks right I say that I have a couple, um, you know, RBTs on, on cases, um, and a couple are, are, uh, studying to become BCBAs. And, and so, uh, well, one, they thought that, that we had like a, a bank of programs. And so they're like, oh, how about this program? And I'm like, I'm all for you, like learning how to pick out what goals to focus on. Um, but you also need to be aware that, you don't want every six months to like pull out another 10 to 12 goals because that's, that's a lot. That's yeah. 10, uh, potentially 10 to 12 or more hours of program writing. That it's a lot. Um, and so first I had to get through like, well, no, like you got to make those number one. Um, but then writing them and then it not working and being like oh well we tried let's let's just try a different way and then being like what <laughs> yeah but shouldn't we keep on trying I'm like no like no. yeah it took me you know 45 to an hour to like write that up but it didn't work so that's fine it's I've unhooked myself from that program working means I'm a good BCBA oh yeah in fact, I, for me, I recognize like I'm a better BCBA because I just yeah. pulled it. Yeah. 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 But I can diffuse and unhook that like that doesn't, that's not my value. Like my, my worth is not inside this one program on how to teach shoe tying. Like, yeah. like yeah. great. We just try something else. We tried the double betting method. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think failure, I think is really important in all honesty. I think it's something that we need to be better about accepting in our lives. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. So on that note, what is something that you wish you could have told yourself when you were getting started and all of this? Well, if you don't know the answer, you should ask for help instead of having conviction to the point of uncontrollability. Um, and I think that happens to people a lot of times, like convictions, conviction's great. Conviction is a very great skill. It's a great value, right? But just like all of our values, it can also be the end of us. Um, so if you are just so adamant about no, we're going to stick to this program, right? Or we're going to do it this way. No, no, it's okay to Mm -hmm. just stop. And I wish to, I had told myself no more often instead Mm -hmm. of what other people are going to perceive. Usually my perception of, or usually what I think other people's perception is, is wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm like sometimes I'll see people. I'm like, oh, I thought they were thinking this. No, they weren't. 
They were not thinking that at all. But if I don't set a boundary, then they're going to take advantage. Mm -hmm. And I think about this a lot of times whenever I think a lot of BCBAs think that they have to be available to the caregivers at all times or to their employers or their clinical directors at all times. And the reality is no. Mm-hmm. Our hours are what our business hours are for in our in our case, it's eight to six, Monday through Friday. If mm-hmm. a caregiver contacts me after those working hours, I don't contact them back. Mm-hmm. And that was hard for me, especially whenever I first started the business, because I really felt like I needed to respond to caregivers all the time mm-hmm. for like public relations. But what that ended up doing was pulling me further away from my my number one value, which is my family, right? Mm -hmm. And I couldn't understand why I was so stressed out all the time or burning out. And and that's why. We don't provide emergency behavioral health services. Mm -hmm. There are other BCBAs who do. We don't. Mm -hmm. We have other options for caregivers if something like that happens and they need emergency support. Colorado Springs is limited but there are other options. And so that's what we do. Mm -hmm. If there's a crisis, unfortunately, I'm not the best person to handle it. Yeah, And that's what I wish I would have told myself earlier, set those boundaries early Mm -hmm. on. Yeah, I think that is one of the best pieces of advice that I got when I I left one company and went to a different company. And it was amazingly eye-opening until it was sold but in the year-ish that I was there before it got sold the amount of wisdom that I learned was insurmountable Mm -hmm. and one of them was I was coming from a place that like you you answered the phone you I, I only had one number it was my personal number and you answered it no matter where you were what time it was you answered text messages and then I went to another company And I think I mentioned something along those lines of like, oh, like somewhat of like trying to form a boundary, but like, in a, am scared to put this out there. Yeah. And the owner of the company who was, uh, he had stepped in as the clinical director because the, the new location was just starting up and he just goes, we are not emergency services. Like there is nothing that is an emergency that we would have to take care of. You know, if there's an emergency, they need to call the emergency number um, or talk to their doctor or anything Mm -hmm. along those lines. But if it's something to do with programming, scheduling, you know, there's a, there's a department. Yeah. There's a department that does scheduling. They want to talk to you about progress and programming like they have your email, but there's no reason you're not an emergency service. And I was like, yeah. yes, <laughs> I'm not. If you call me during an emergency, I am not going to be a big help. I'm going to, it, now you've wasted five minutes of me saying, well, now you need to call 911. You should probably call 911. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, good stuff. Um, and we are on to dessert. And I am one that I always like um, two desserts because I usually want something chocolatey and then something with fruit. Yes. So our first dessert is what is um, kind of your biggest breakthrough or the happiest moment with a client? Um, One of my first clients as a BCBA 
um, came to me as an eight-year-old, no communication whatsoever, high rates of really challenging behaviors to the point where it was a full-on barrier to her accessing just going to the grocery store, um, going to school was just not, it, it was, it was bad. Um, and wasn't toilet trained. We introduced PECs first and then got her toilet trained. Once she was toilet trained, we got her an AEC through with help with her speech path and her whole world exploded once we were able to get her to communicate. And we started teaching her spelling words so that because her device was really cumbersome at the time, but we recognized right away that spelling was a strength of hers. And so that's what we focused on. And now she is in the eighth grade in school, communicating daily, obviously fully toilet trained. The challenges are some, sometimes still there. Like she still gets really hyper-focused on certain things mm -hmm. or um, will laugh out of context. But don't we all, don't we all? Um, or she'll say, no, like her initial reaction for everything is no. Like, do you want to do this? No. And so people are like, oh, she doesn't want to do it. And you're like, <laughs> ask her again and then say, hey, babe, we're actually going to do this. And then she'll say, okay. And then you start doing it. But she's always going to say no first. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's been awesome to see. Like we had um, her, re or her initial evaluation for school a few weeks ago and it was it was awesome it was a it was a great great moment communication is so cool and mm -hmm. I, I I posted about this this morning right about how like manding for a break isn't going to like get it fixed but like some, but communication is awesome it is and you but you just have to take it a little bit further sometimes right. and we have a tendency to be very limiting no not not an ABA not in this field and our second dessert is what is the best compliment you've ever received? Literally, my daughter said the other day, you're not the worst mom. <laughs> and I'll take it because at that moment, I didn't feel like a great mom. <laughs> mm -hmm. But you're not but, the um, worst. Yeah, I'm not the worst mom. I'm not the worst BCBA. Um, but I think that's, for me, that kind of sums it up just because I don't want to be the best at anything. That's too much pressure. And I don't want to, you know, obviously I just talked about how much I fail. So I definitely don't want that kind of like <laughs> competency pressure. Right. Um, I would just, I, I want people to know that I care about them and I'm not the worst. Yeah. You're trying every day. <laughs> yeah. That's right. All right, for our nightcap, um, what should I have asked you and I didn't or anything else that you would like to mention? Um, I would say, I think the only thing I would want to add would just be, I, I feel like our, we talked a lot. Well, we didn't really talk a lot. Like we alluded to the limitations of our field. And I think that's one of the things that I, I, think we need to talk about more maybe at a different time too just because I think I could talk about it a lot mm -hmm. um in grad school it gets hammered in about reading behavior analytic research what a java like what a java published well for the past three years java has published so many different studies just about telehealth 
and COVID Mm -hmm. that I don't care right now. There have only been a couple of articles in the past couple of years that have been like, yes, Mm -hmm. this is something that I think that we need to be focusing on. So my, I guess my charge would be as behavior analysts, we have to stop limiting ourselves to what behavior analytic research dictates. Mm -hmm. And we need to start exploring what other literature is supporting and recognizing that other fields have evidence-based treatments and evidence-based research and that we're not um, listening to those voices very well. So that would be my nightcap is my, as you're, you know, toasting with your Fernet tonight, <laughs> have a little toast to maybe a contextual behavioral science journey mm-hmm. journal instead of Java. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines, or maybe read something that has to do with just the field of psychology in general. Yeah, or education, or even like speech and OT, you know. Oh my gosh, right? Yeah, that's my... The nightcap is just read. (laughs) That's the nightcap. Read yourself to sleep so that you can further your scope. I feel like now you're talking to me. Get off Instagram and read before bed. (laughs) Oh, that's me. I have, that's, yeah, I have to set a limit for that, but I like to read like a fun book while mm-hmm. I'm also reading a work related or right. Like, like a heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So right now that's I'm reading good. Carrie Soto was back oh. by Taylor Jenkins Reid or, and I, I love Taylor Jenkins Reid. So that's a good one. Right. A good fluff. <laughs> All right. Tell our listeners where they can find more about you. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, um, I am on Instagram at across environments. We do offer CEUs as Rosie mentioned at the beginning, we offer them. If you go to ABA across environments.podia.com, or if you just go to ABA across environments.com, I'll put it in like the show okay, notes cool. too. Yeah. You can always check out our CEU offerings, but we, we try to offer them once a month. Um, but sometimes we're like today we're this month, we're a little behind. Like, so I'm not going to get it out until Wednesday. So it'll be the beginning of November. Sorry. But then there'll be another one for November. So we try to always make it up. Um, but we are very much act focused with our CEU publications. But very, very thorough and easy to digest. I'll say that. Thank you. We try. All right, everyone. So thank you so much for sharing a bite with us. Um, Please go follow Meg at all of that. I'll put everything in the show notes. And you can find me uh, on Instagram at rosieeatsbx. I think you might have to put the periods in between rosie period eats period bx um, or my website, which is rosiebx.com. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave a review, subscribe all that jazz and until our next meal bye bye